0: Hey friends, I hope you're all staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible, and that you're taking care of all the people and pets and plants that are important to you. We have a very special guest today, and as such, I'm guessing there are lots of folks listening for the first time. So let me start by saying welcome. Thank you for checking out this comedy and music podcast called People Are the Enemy. I'm the host of the show. My name is Andy Mascola. Hello! There are no ads on People Are The Enemy, and there is no Patreon set up for it. The only thing I've ever asked of listeners is if you love the show and if you'd like to help support it and myself monetarily, and get yourself or the reader in your life some excellent fiction, please consider buying any or all of my novels. I'm the author of 11 self published books that are all currently available for purchase worldwide in both ebook and paperback formats via Amazon. And if you don't use Amazon, you can find all of my titles in ebook format at Google Play. To search my last name, which is spelled M-A-S-C-O-L-A. That's how you'll find me on Google Play. If you've already purchased any or all of my books, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. people are the enemy listeners this is episode 312 of the people are the enemy podcast thank you so much for spending time with me today you've tuned into a great show we've got a great guest have you heard this yet this is uh bill McClint McClintox mashup of dirty deeds and rocking around the christmas tree Check this out. He calls it uh, A.C. Lisey. You can find that on YouTube. If you're looking for it under Bill McClintock. And of course, I just dropped all my notes. Alright, let me fade this out and we'll get to it. Our guest is the comedian, musician, actor, podcaster, radio show host and writer Dave Hill. In addition to having toured the world, performing his hilarious stand-up comedy, and playing face-melting guitar solos for billions of Rabbit fans, Dave has appeared on such notable shows as Joe Parra Talks With You, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and Full Frontal with Samantha B., among many others. Dave is the author of the books Tasteful Nudes. Dave Hill Doesn't Live Here Anymore and Parking the Moose. Dave's latest book, The Awesome Game, One Man's Incredible Globe-Crushing Hockey Odyssey is available everywhere right now. I read The Awesome Game, and I'll tell you, I enjoyed it so much. If you're like me, and you love Dave Hill's humor, you are going to love The Awesome Game. I invited Dave on the show to talk with me about The Awesome Game, and I was unbelievably excited when he accepted my invitation. And I feel so fortunate and appreciative that he would uh, give us his time today. So having said all that, let's speak now to Dave Hill. Hello, Dave. Are you there, sir?
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: It's going all right. How are you doing?
1: Oh, really great. Thanks for asking.
0: That's awesome. Dave, uh, you've written for GQ, The New York Times, and Paris Review, among many other publications. You've now authored four books, but you're perhaps best known as a comedian and a musician. Was it difficult to convince a publisher to let you write a book about hockey? Uh,
1: no, I mean, I'm lucky that it was, you know, my third book for the Penguin Random House, uh, company. Um, I've switched imprints over the years. Uh, but yeah, no, it's just, uh, I'm psyched that they were into it and, uh, was just an opportunity to explore a subject. Um, I guess it did take some convincing. Now that I'm thinking about it, now that I'm really thinking about it, I did have to tell them what, you know, I was going to do. <laughs> like, I, they, I didn't just go, ah, next one's about hockey. Give me the money. Um, <laughs> I did have to write up a little a little thing and, and explain to them the magic that that was going to come. Um, so, yeah, it did. I mean, but, I, you know, they were into it. Which is really nice. And uh and yeah, I'm glad people are enjoying it and hopefully people will enjoy it for decades. Right on. Centuries do you, to come.
0: Absolutely. Do, do you think hockey fans have a better sense of humor than fans of other sports?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. Um maybe I mean there's plenty of funny stuff going on. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of funny sports, you know. Baseball's pretty funny. Uh Soccer's pretty funny. Those are the big, I mean, highlight, don't get me started. But no, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think hockey fans, I mean, all the best sports movies are about hockey.
0: That's true. Sports like all comedies,
1: the- in, my, in my medical opinion.
0: Absolutely. Early in the book, Dave, you mentioned this strange tradition of hockey fans throwing dead octopuses onto the ice. Have, have, yeah. Have you yourself ever witnessed this in person?
1: Not in person, um, mostly because the games where that would happen would be the ticket. The tickets would be so expensive because it's more like playoffs kind of move. Uh, so those are pricey tickets. So I've never witnessed in person as a result. I'm against it, you know, just generally speaking, uh, because, uh, I like octopuses a lot, octopi. So, uh. You know, as I, as I, you know, there was a time when I would have been like, "Give me that octopus, and I'll throw it out there." But now I would say, "Don't <laughs> throw the octopus, even though it's dead. Don't do it. Right. Leave the octopus alone."
0: It's got to be tough to bring a dead octopus into a into a hockey game, I imagine. You know,
1: it's somehow not tough enough. it yeah. would seem.
0: <laughs> Dave, for this book, you traveled to Canada, Poland, Kenya, and Finland. Uh, of the four, which uh, which country was your favorite to visit?
1: Well, Kenya, I would say, was uh, the most amazing. I mean, I loved going to all of them. I'm always into going to new countries. And Canada, I had been to, in Poland, I had been to before. Um, But Kenya and Finland, I had not been to. And so I was, but I mean, especially Kenya, it was just amazing. There's one team in all of Kenya, the Kenya Ice Lions. And I I, uh, went there to play with them and hang out with them. And that was. Amazing. I've never been to Kenya or Africa before, and uh, I can't wait to go back. I was hoping to go back by now, but uh hasn't happened. Maybe, I don't know, at this rate, maybe, maybe at the end of next year I can get there. We'll see. Hopefully. Oh, cool.
0: Very cool. Dave, there are a couple non-hockey-specific recurring themes in the awesome game that I enjoyed in particular. Uh, one of these was your willingness to try foods you'd never tried before while traveling overseas. In Poland, oh. you ate a peanut butter and beet sandwich. Was that any I good?
1: Did. Um, it wasn't bad. I would say like that. I wouldn't like seek it out. I would say <laughs> if you have those ingredients at your house, go for it. But mm-hmm. it's not like oh my god, you have to have this because you know the peanut butter is doing the heavy lifting. I would say in that sandwich <laughs> sort of overshadows the beet, where you get more of like a textural situation with the beets, I think. You,
0: but, um, you wonder how somebody discovered that. I was I'm always curious how like somebody discovered that sour cream goes so well with like Mexican food, you know?
1: Yeah, I think uh how you doing? Sorry to standing someone. Um, so uh, yeah I think I don't know it was that like a kind of a fancy little coffee shop in Katowice and you know it's sort of on them, you know, it's sort of the obligation of the dainty coffee shop to have an artisanal sandwich, you know, so I respect it. I think they probably, there was like alfalfa or something else on it too. Um. So yeah, it was a pretty next level sandwich. Um. Oh boy.
0: Did, did you as you mentioned in... And- you you traveled to Kenya and you spent time with Kenya's lone hockey team uh, the Kenya Ice Lions one question I had that I don't recall you answering in the awesome game was if there's only one hockey team in Kenya who do they play against
1: this is a good question um they mostly play against each other they're more of a hockey club I guess when it gets down to it but they do teams from other countries do come and skate with them and stuff so uh You know, there's a thing called the Friendship League where um, teams come from other countries and they'll go to other countries and play as well. So it's pretty cool. Like, you know, there's there's teams pretty much almost every country. There's like at least one hockey team. But, you know, uh, so they do. But they mostly just, yeah, kind of scrimmage, I think, most of the year.
0: And it sounded like they do a lot of promotion, too, like trying to get youth into
1: hockey yeah they do it's cool they have the kenya ice cubs which are like sort of younger like under 18 kids i think as young as probably like 10 or 12 out there skating and i think that's awesome um and you know you know these kids it's pretty wild you know talking hockey and playing with hockey with these kids that are you know from such a different background and uh it was really cool just um you know, not to state the obvious of, so like, oh, I was so lucky growing up as a kid, being able, you know, getting equipment or anything wasn't an issue, you know. But these kids, you know, there's no, they don't sell hockey equipment in <laughs> in Kenya. So, like, everything they get has to be as, you know, comes from North America pretty much. Like, either, you know, ordering stuff or people donate stuff. And, you know, it's, it's not like you can just go to the sporting goods store and get yourself a new, uh,
0: New do no bunch of equipment. Yeah, speaking of equipment and uh, uh, gear, Dave, you, you mentioned how collecting and wearing hockey jerseys, or sweaters as they're traditionally known, is apparently a huge part of hockey fandom. In the Awesome Game, you speak with your friend Brian Slagle, who is the founder and president of Metal Blade Records, who at one point owned about 2,500 hockey jerseys. Oh, my gosh. And you go so yeah. far as to mention Brian has a separate home just to house his hockey ephemera. How many hockey jerseys does a Dave Hill own?
1: I don't own really that many by like you know kind of crazed jersey collector standards. I think around fifty, maybe.
0: Wow, that's um, a lot.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, maybe 50, between forty and fifty, but it's growing. Um, but I'm, you know, I kind of, I want, I kind of have like made up arbitrary rules to acquiring them, like, I I try to not buy, like, a new jersey online. I try to only get, like, a jersey at a game or buy, like, some cool old jersey, you know, on eBay or something. I'll do that. But, I mean, I have a couple times ordered jerseys, like, brand new ones. I think, like, twice, but I try to avoid it. I try to avoid
0: it. Do you have a favorite jersey in your collection?
1: I would say that my favorite jerseys are the Kenya Ice Lions jerseys. Jersey and Sudbury Wolves is amazing. And the Tempura Ildis, which is a team in uh, Finland. Cool. And I would say those three jerseys, and the Quebec Nordiques, of course. Those four jerseys are my favorite.
0: Is there, is there a hockey jersey out there that is your white whale of hockey jerseys that you've been dying to get your hands on, or do you kind of play it by ear?
1: Um, there's always, like, new ones that I want, but uh, not really. I think right now I have, like, I don't know. I kind of want to get the Berlin, Ice Baron, uh, Helsinki, Jokerit. Those would be the two offhand that I would really like. Um, and hopefully I'll go to games in Europe at some point in my life and get them. Um, Who else? uh, uh, Tallinn Pantera uh, from the Estonian Hockey League. That's pretty cool. Um, Yeah, I think that's it offhand that I can think of, but I'm sure... I mean, it kind of just takes... Like, when you see him, you know I must have that. But... um, (laughs) I also have too too much stuff. I live in New York City. I have way too much stuff. I really don't need anything in life. (laughs) (laughs) So I try to control it.
0: Dave, your your girlfriend Kathy is mentioned more than a couple times in the Awesome Game. And uh, Kathy attends games with you. And she is depicted as being very passionate about hockey. Was was Kathy into hockey before you met her?
1: No, I don't think so. Um, I think she got into it. Maybe because I was into it, but I didn't encourage her really. I think she just kind of, uh, she got into it, you know, um, cause it's awesome. Very cool. So team. yeah, we'll go to games to- together and things like that. Um, and, uh, she definitely like gets fired up more. I'm more like laid back type and she gets very, uh, very, fi- uh, fired up. Very fired.
0: <laughs> Dave, do you, do you hate all other sports, Dave?
1: I don't hate all other sports, but I would say that I don't have um, huge interest in many other sports. I'm kind of, I'm happy to like, if someone invites me to a game, I'll go. Uh, like if someone, like a baseball game, I'd be psyched to do that. Soccer game, even more excited. Uh, A tennis match though I've never well no I've been to one of those I would go to that although I've only done that like once and football I would really kind
2: of dread that and I probably wouldn't want to go unless it were
1: like a thing where it's like free food and drinks (laughs) Uh, basketball same thing I would say it would have to be like I'm going and I'm just going to be distracted by an open bar and food and stuff then i'd be like okay i'll go you know I, but i goodness. just don't have interest in those sports really those two especially you know they're the most popular sports in america but to me they're just like uh it's like a dog watching tv i just don't care <laughs> i just no reaction
0: speaking of watching tv i i, I sought out aki kurismaki films uh, because he'd been mentioned in your chapter about Finland. Oh,
1: nice. Good. And yeah, my plan worked. I it, really just wanted... It
0: did. I went to the library, and I took out three Aki Korizmaki films, and I really enjoyed... Oh. I watched all three. I loved them. I thought they were great. Oh, nice. I'm That's a new nice fan.
1: Yeah, it's definitely not for everybody. No.
0: It's kind of,
1: you're either... You're, you're in or you're
0: out. No, I'd say, movies, you know, they were but... they, there were themes that kind of ran through all three, but the... The storytelling was different in each one in such a way that, um, I don't know if you've seen this one called La Havre, I think it's called La Havre. Yeah, I love that movie. It was great, it was great, and it had like a, a very, um, I'd say uplifting ending where you felt really good, but yeah, th- then there were like ones that were sort of like kind of like ambiguous endings, or you like, I, or, or at least one of them, the one to shoot, and it was something the dusk. Something, I forget. I don't know if you know which one I'm talking Do
1: you mean dr- drifting, drifting Clouds?
0: No, hang on one second. Actually, I wrote it down here, so I'd I, I remember to ask you about it. do do doodly doo do 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 Hang on one second, Dave. I should be letting you sing. <laughs> um. Yeah, the three... Well, I watched La Havre, and then I watched... Okay, uh, Lights in the Dusk. And I watched The Man Without a Past.
1: Man Without a Past is amazing. Oh, so good. And the music Lights is the so Dusk good. I don't know if I've seen that one or not.
0: Oh, you haven't seen uh, Lights in the Dusk?
1: I must have seen it. If you were able to get it, I'd probably have seen it. It's, what,
0: it's, it's the the it's a very simple plot. It's a security guard who um, meets What's a that? it's it's about a security guard.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Hang on. <laughs>
0: Are you looking it up?
1: Oh, okay. I'm it up here. Um, shit, why isn't it coming up? Is it... Is it... He ends up getting drugged?
0: Yes, that's the one.
1: At some point?
0: Yes. And it's got like are you this... There? Yes. Can you still hear me?
1: Oh, yeah. I've seen that one.
0: Are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me, Dave? Dave, are you able to yeah, hear me? I lost
1: me? you for a second. Oh. Yeah, I have seen... I have seen that one. That one's
0: really good. I loved yeah. it. I think that was my favorite of the three I, I watched. And I liked it. And I especially like the, the kind yeah, of had this did. this ambiguous ending where it was just like, oh man, bad things happen and bad things happen. And uh there's uh it's for a movie called Lights in the Dusk, there's not a whole lot of light. <laughs> but somehow that was my favorite.
1: Wait, I lost you for a second. Oh either. shoot.
0: Dave, are you still there with me?
1: Dave? Oh, shoot. I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm losing here.
0: Do you want me to try calling you back, Dave? Wait,
1: hello?
0: Can you hear me, Dave? Oh, we're having a connection problem. Okay, we can may have to... to... Are you there, Dave? Did I lose
1: I'm you? here. Do you have me?
0: I have you. Can you hear can me you hear okay?
1: Me? Yeah, I can hear you
0: now. Oh, great, great. I was saying for a movie called Lights in the Dusk, there wasn't a whole lot of light.
1: No, no. I do I do remember that movie now. I, I did see it. Yeah, the the guy he gets uh he gets uh they slip him a Nikki. Yes. And then he gets knocked out.
0: He gets taken advantage yeah. of through the whole film, basically. My goodness, but yeah. uh, I appreciate it. I am, I am an Aki Kurosaki fan, and I will, I will seek out his other films. I, uh, I absolutely. Oh enjoy yeah, it. you
1: can't lose. They're all great. He has a new one out called Fallen Leaves.
0: Yes, I've seen it yet. on a lot of best of the year lists. I was like, oh my gosh, that's the yeah, guy that Dave mentioned. I got to check this it's out. It's
1: Finland's uh, submission for the Oscars this year.
0: Ah, uh, so right on. Have you seen it yet?
1: I've not seen it. I'm I'm kicking myself. I worry that I'm not going to see it before it leaves the theaters. Mm. I've been trying, but not hard enough.
0: It's been busy. I bet. Dave, one question that gets asked again and again by you in this book is, why is hockey not more popular in America? And the conclusion you reach is that the United States doesn't have a lot of naturally occurring ice, and hockey is a prohibitively expensive sport. If you had the power to add or remove or change anything about the game of hockey in an attempt to make it more popular in America than it is presently, what do you think you'd do? Uh, get cooler jerseys,
1: make the games <laughs> less expensive. <laughs> uh, I mean, making the games less expensive, that's a big one. I mean, I mean, it's insanely expensive to go to an NHL game, as it is any, any professional sport or you know, concert now is so stupidly expensive. I honestly rarely go to them unless, like, I'm getting the hookup somehow, which, fortunately, I get a lot. Um, But if I were just, you know, a guy that didn't have friends who could get tickets, then I don't know what I would do because it's just, it's insanely expensive. Like, my girlfriend and I were going to go you know, we are like, oh, the Rangers are in town tonight. Let's go. And I looked at this. It would have cost us like $700. Holy game. smoke. It's always. like, screw that. That's it's a lot like, of bread. There's nothing, nothing. I can't imagine what would happen that I'd be like, oh, that was worth 700 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> the, thing, the thing that I would, would have to have happen, I'm, I wouldn't describe. Because <laughs> i <I'm> a gentleman. <laughs>
0: The book is The Awesome Game. The author is Dave Hill. If you love hockey and you love Dave Hill, you're going to love this book. If you're, if you're like me and you knew or know next to nothing about hockey, but you love Dave Hill, you're going to love The Awesome Game. In other words, unless you actively dislike both hockey and Dave Hill, you can't lose. This has been so much fun, Dave. I
1: couldn't agree more. This, this, is, this is strong.
0: I, I also wanted to mention, if you'll be in uh, listeners, if you'll, you'll be in the o- Cleveland, Ohio area on December 30th, you can see Dave at the Grog Shop. You can get tickets at grogshop.gs. You can watch Dave's comedy special, "Dave Hill: The Pride of Cleveland," on YouTube, and I recommend you do. And I also recommend you listen to Dave's comedy album, "Let Me Turn You On." And I'm going to put links to all the things I just mentioned in the description of this episode. But if you'd rather go straight to the source, you can find everything Dave-related at Dave online.com Dave this has been so so much fun thank you so much for talking with me today
1: thank you for talking with me Andy I really appreciate
0: it I appreciate you and I hope you have a great holiday
1: yeah you too
0: and with that I'm going to hand things off now to my friend our friend Rachel from Des Moines and she is going to give you the chart chat so without any further ado take it away Rachel
2: thanks Andy hello and welcome back to Rachel's chart chat for another week Thanks to everyone who listened last week to the 1994 special. I got some nice comments from Sarah on Blue Sky, Jill, Jeffrey, Bob on IG, the fantastic Sherry with an I, and Tavey, who, like me, caught a lot of MTV videos in 1994. Uh, For this week, I wanted to do a feature on one of my favorite 80s cultural phenomena, the movie soundtrack duet. I actually have a playlist I created 10 years ago called 80s Movie Love Themes that I always add to when I stumble upon a new-to-me one. Some songs from films are deliberately labeled as the love theme from, but I like to use the term colloquially for any romantic hit single from a movie soundtrack. The term dates back to at least the 50s, with the theme from A Summer Place being a notable early example. Uh, A number of these were nominated for the Academy Award for Best Original Song. So if I mentioned that it was Oscar nominated, that's what it was from. Starting off, hitting a peak of number 45 on july 9th of 1983 is how do you keep the music playing by james ingram and patty austin that's from the film best friends starring burt reynolds and goldie hahn that came out in december 17th of 82 it made 36.8 million at the box office and all my box office numbers are from the box office mojo site and i believe they are not adjusted for inflation Um, the song was oscar nominated The song's lyrics were written by Alan and Marilyn Bergman, who were the lyricists on three of the songs nominated for the Best uh, Original Song at the 83 Oscars. I had never heard of this song or film. Uh, James Ingram and Patty Austin are best known for their other duet, Baby Come to Me, which was a number one hit in February of 83, after it was used on the soap General Hospital. Hitting a peak of number 20 is Suddenly by Libba Newton-John and Cliff Richard. That hit a peak on January 17th of 81 and that is from the Xanadu soundtrack, and the film starred Olivia Newton-John, Michael Beck, and Gene Kelly. It came out on August 8th of 80, and it grossed 22.8 million. This is one of seven singles from the Xanadu soundtrack, six of which were released in the US and all charted. This is the only song on our list that was sung by an actor in the movie, barring any cameos I don't know about. Uh, In the film, the lead couple do a roller skate dance performance when the song plays. Uh, besides duetting together, Cliff Richard and Olivia were good friends um, in real life. And the B-side was You Made Me Love You, which was sung by Olivia and it appears in the film, but it's not on the album. Up next, hitting a peak of number seven on July 14th of 1984 is Almost Paradise by Mike Reno and Ann Wilson. That is from the movie Footloose, which came out on February 17th of 1984 and grossed $80 million. It starred Kevin Bacon and Lori Singer. Uh, Mike Reno is from the Canadian band Loverboy and Ann Wilson from Heart. Uh, this is one of seven singles released from the Footloose album, two of which hit number one and were both Oscar nominated. The duet was marketed as the love theme from Footloose. And Loverboy and Heart were both, I would say, at or near the peak of their powers. So they're a great combo for a duet. I feel like this one kind of sets the stage for the heavy metal power ballads to come up next hitting a peak of number six on march 11th in 1989 is surrender to me by again ann wilson this time with robin zander from cheap trick that was from the soundtrack of the movie tequila sunrise starring michelle pfeiffer kurt russell and Raul julia released on december 3rd of 88 and grossed 41.3 million it's said to be a kind of a drug dealer crime type of movie uh, this song was a former chart chat pick um is a, fav- a favorite discovery of mine. I don't know why it's not more played. I probably had this little rant before, but it seems like sometimes a great song becomes iconic even if the movie doesn't do as well, but it's kind of hard to know when that's going to happen. Or hitting a peak of number six on May 13th at 89 is After All by Cher and Peter Cetera. This is marketed as the love theme from Chances Are. That film was released on March 10th of 1989 and grossed $16.3 million. The song was Oscar nominated. It lost to Under the Sea. The movie starred Sybil Shepard and Robert Downey Jr., and I thought Mary vs. Movies might have covered this one, but that was Peggy Sue Got Married, which I always kind of mix those two up. Uh, they're both 80s rom-coms with blonde women leads and fantasy elements. Uh, it still bums me out that the two, uh, meaning Cher and Peter Cetera, never performed this song live. I learned that when it was performed at the 1990 Oscars, uh, Melissa Manchester and James Ingram sang it, and their rendition is really beautiful. Uh, hitting a peak of number two on March 14th in 1987 is Somewhere Out There by Linda Ronstadt and James Ingram. Uh, that was from the film An American Tale, which came out on November 21st of 86. It grossed $47.5 million. The film tells the story of the Mouskowitz family who come to America. In the movie, the song is sung by Fievel and his sister Tanya, while Fievel is separated from the family. This was also Oscar-nominated, but at last, to Take My Breath Away by Berlin from Top Gun. I read on Wikipedia that Steven Spielberg, the producer of the film, recruited Linda Ronstadt and James Ingram because he had heard the song and thought it had potential as a hit single, and he was right. Of note, Linda Ronstadt was back in the top 40 after a four-year absence with this hit. Um, Now we're getting into the songs that hit number one. Uh, Number one for one week on November 30th, 1985 is... Separate Lives by Phil Collins and Marilyn Martin. Uh, That was the theme from the film White Nights, which is a Cold War dance drama starring Mikhail Baryshnikov and Gregory Hines. It came out on November 22nd of 85 and grossed $64.6 million. Uh, This is the second Taylor Hackford film that Phil Collins had done a song for. Previously was Against All Odds. Take a Look at Me Now for Against All Odds in 1984, which Phil wrote, but this one, Separate Lives, was written by Stephen Bishop. Separate Lives, Phil's duet partner Marilyn Martin was a session and tour backup vocalist, and then she was able to put out a solo record in 86, and she scored a number 25 hit with her song Night Moves, uh, not a cover. Uh, Separate Lives was Oscar nominated, but it lost to a song from the same film Say You Say Me by Lionel Richie. Also hitting number one for one week is I've had, in parentheses, the time of my life by Bill Medley and Jennifer Warnes that was on November 28th of 87 Bill Medley is from the group The Righteous Brothers and Jennifer Warnes is a singer-songwriter in her own right this was of course from the film Dirty Dancing starring Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey the movie came out on August 21st of 87 and grossed $64.6 million this song was an Oscar winner and the version I read that on the computer the version that the performers danced to in the finale scene was a demo version sung by songwriter Frankie Previti and singer Rochelle Capelli And Patrick Swayze is quoted as saying that demo was his favorite version of the song. Now this one I think is a little bit of a gray area as far as the spirit of this thing. Hitting a peak of number one for two weeks starting in April 4th of 1987 is Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now by Starship. Now it is technically a duet between Starship group members Grace Slick and Mickey Thomas. So it's a duet but it's not credited to two separate performances. So you can count it if you want. The song is from the movie Mannequin starring Kim Cattrall and Andrew McCarthy was released on February 13th of 87 and grossed $42.7 million. Uh, The song was Oscar nominated, but lost to Time of My Life, as we've discussed previously. Uh, This was co-written by Diane Warren and Albert Hammond. It was Diane Warren's first number one hit that she wrote. Of note, Grace Slick was 47 when this hit number one, at the time making her the oldest female vocalist to hit or female performer probably vocalist uh, to have a number one hit and then Cher broke that record when she hit number one with another Diane Warren composition Believe in 1999. Nothing's going to stop us now in addition to being from Mannequin was also used well in the movie The Skeleton Twins with Kristen Wiig and Bill Hader. Another big number one hit for three weeks starting in November 6th of 1982 is Up Where We Belong by Joe Cocker and Jennifer Warnes again. This is from the film An Officer and a Gentleman which is another Taylor Hackford-directed uh, movie starring Richard Gere, Deborah Winger, and Louis Gossett Jr. This was another Oscar winner, so if you want to win that Oscar, get Jennifer Warnes to sing on your duet. Uh, the film came out in July 30th of 82, and that grossed $130 million, and by far the highest-grossing film on the list. Jennifer Warrens was quoted as saying that the success of the film sold the record. And it's on the Wikipedia page, it's saying that radio stations were not on board with this one originally, and some even sent back the single. I think the pa- it's a really good read to hear about the obstacles that a song can go through before being a hit. Jennifer and Joe performed this song together live many times on different award shows and other events. And finally, number one for nine big weeks is Endless Love by Diana Ross and Lionel Richie. That was from the movie of the same name, starring Brooke Shields and Martin Hewitt which came out on July 7th of 81, and it grossed $31.2 million. Uh, This song was Oscar-nominated, but it lost to Arthur's theme. Wikipedia describes this as being the biggest selling single for Diana Ross and the best charting single for Lionel Richie. And I have to say, I knew the song from the 94 cover first, and then I came to know the original, but it took me until seeing I love the eighties to know that it was from a movie also called endless love. All I really remember about it was they talked the, the guy burned the house down and it was pretty racy movie. Cause it was teenagers in love, etc. It seems like the movie is not very well regarded, but the song is a classic. And I would say it's very fun to try to karaoke it with your friend. Well, that's all from me this week. Happy holidays, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Back to you, Andy.
0: Thank you, Rachel amazing work as always this has been episode 312 of the people are the enemy podcast our theme song is walrus love by nokia ocean you can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com my name is andy mascola you can purchase my novels via amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99 thank you for listening thank you for subscribing thank you dave hill thank you rachel from des moines merry christmas we love you Peace.